This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm also a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. I am so excited to share that my next book is coming out soon. I am a co-author in the fastest growing personal development book series in the world with Jim Lutz and Jim Britt. The really cool thing is that the foreword was written by the one and only Les Brown, and for my copies, I'm on the cover with him. If you would like a free copy when it's available, email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Rachel, how are you today? Hello. I am so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation because you are recognized as one of the freshest voices on modern relationships, modern health, and sex, which is a conversation that needs to be had that people aren't talking about. Truly. I, you know, I like to say that I work at the intersection of mental health, sex, and relationships, and they are three areas that are so critical to all of our lives that we all experience no matter what, even if we experience an absence of that thing, we still have a relationship with it, and yet we get such poor education on these topics. So I love talking about them. I could talk about them for 55 hours. Let's let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well, before we dive into what you do and your background and some of you've got some really great, uh, you've gotten a lot of great media attention, which is phenomenal. Um, So I want to talk about all that. But how did you get to where you are today? Because we all have a story and and I'm imagining that there's some sort of story that you probably weren't in middle school going, I want to be a sex therapist. (laughs) You know, it wasn't too far after that, which is kind of wild. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I was always a very curious kid. Um, I asked why a lot. And I was very, um, I feel very grateful that I had parents who really encouraged that. Um, You know, it, it very often got to, because we said so, is the why, you know, I would, I would most often get an actual reason. Um, even if that reason was something I didn't want to hear, I was given a reason. Um, so I was very curious. I always, always was curious about relationships and how humans related to other humans. Um, even in elementary school, I remember wondering why certain people wanted to be friends with certain people, but not others. And kind of like what motivated that and what made us connect with people over other people. 
And I was also- I'm still having those questions right. actually, Rachel. So, <laughs> I mean, same, same. This is like now what my life is dedicated to. Uh, and, you know, when I got a little bit older, that curiosity expanded into my own sexual exploration and into my own relationships, be those platonic, romantic, sexual, um, familial, all, all across the board. Um, so I started learning more. I, my mom was someone who was very sex positive. She probably wouldn't have even known that term, uh, but she brought me to, you know, a mommy and me sex ed class when I was nine years old. Um, and it was wonderful. And thank goodness she took me because I, I wound up starting my period at nine. And so had, had she not taken me, I would not have had sex ed yet in school. Um, and it was only because of that. And then you're stuck with what is this? Yeah. What's happening with my body? I mean, I already had the moment of like, am I dying? And then I remembered what it was, but without (laughs) the remembering what it was, it would have been a very traumatizing experience. So my mom brought me to that. Um, and you know, it just kind of continued. I, I have a background in theater and what I realized I love about acting and theater was the study of human motivation and getting into character was understanding someone's emotional experience of the world, understanding how they related to the other people in the show, in that container. Um, Right. And so I knew that I either wanted to go the theater route or psychology. Um, my parents put me in therapy when I was 14 for a variety of reasons that if we want to talk about, we can, but we don't have to. Uh, and I remember leaving my therapist's office that first day. And the quote that I said to my mom, which is hilarious now, is if I am not on Broadway, I will be a therapist. And you know, it okay. eventually got to a point where I I chose and self-selected uh, the psychology route and still have a massive love for theater. Um, the majority of my friends are are in theater, uh, but I, I was called to psychology and so kind of mushed all of those together and decided I wanted to specialize in sex and relationships from the get. And uh, here we are years later. Wow. That's incredible. So speaking of Broadway, you did do a show at the Green Room 42 in New York City. Yes. A one night stand, a night for sexier and healthier Broadway. So tell me about that. Is it still going on or, or is that was that like a limited time or Oh, Sandy, yeah. it was such a such a cool experience. I it felt like my life had somehow like melded together from the two different versions of things that I had uh envisioned as a kid. Um it was going to be a residency due to some things that were going on behind the scenes. We decided to pull it and uh perhaps do it somewhere else. Um but it was an incredible night of mixing uh Broadway performances with sex education and interviewing some Broadway actors about their experience with sex ed. And they picked a song that represented sex positivity to them and performed it. And so it was this hybrid musical talk show education. We gave out vibrators to people in the audience. Um, It was just, it was a really spectacular evening. Wow. That's really, really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. It still like blows my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet. I bet. 
Okay, so you've got your master's in clinical psychology. You've worked with, I love this, you worked with thousands of humans worldwide, helping them scream less and screw more. Yes. Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit because we know that stress affects every area of your life, especially your sex life, yeah. without question, yeah. without question. Yeah. And, and especially for men, right? Because for men, you know, they, they've got to be, and, and women too, right? It's a mental thing it's to, to, to get to that point truly, of climax. Truly right? all humans. It is right. unbelievable how much stress, whether that is conscious stress or unconscious stress that is still releasing cortisol into our system. It affects our libido. I mean, other than medication, stress is probably the the other top libido effector. And, you know, for some people, it actually pushes them into a space of craving more sex because the the connection and the release will release these chemicals that kind of combat the effects of cortisol. Um, and for other people, it has the exact opposite effect where the cortisol kind of eats up all of the chemicals that make you want to have sex in the first place. And so then you don't even get there. And so it then becomes a question of, and this is where mental health and sex overlap, is how can I take care of my mental health so that my sex life is what I want it to be and vice versa? How can I take care of my sex life so that my mental health can be where I want it to be? And knowing that we have power over that overlap and over that connection is huge because most of us feel um, a victim to circumstance based on a lack of education around sex and mental health. Right. So real quick, I used to be a procrastinator and I was not happy about it. But for months now, I have been using this amazing little elixir called Magic Mind that helps me to stay focused and stay on track with everything I have going on without any jitters or crashes. It helps me to go from being in my zone of excellence to thriving in my zone of genius. Magic Mind comes in individual small bottles, kind of like a shot. Each one contains a magical combination of 12 active ingredients to make it the world's first productivity drink. These combined ingredients will help you keep going and stay focused, decreases stress and inflammation in the body, improves blood flow and cognition, and has immune support. If you're like me, I totally recommend you go check them out at www.magicmind.co slash happiness and join a community of go-getters. You can also use my discount code happiness to get 40% off your first subscription. My 40% off code only lasts for 10 days, so check them out right away. That's www.magicmind.co slash happiness. The link and the code will also be in the show notes. Now back to today's interview. So, so we know how it definitely can affect your libido in a negative way. Is that when you're saying that your stress can affect it, like it, it can increase your libido yeah, because of the cortisol that's being released or whatnot. Yeah, so different people will experience. What's wrong with that picture? <laughs> different people <laughs> right? will experience that differently, you know. And we're all wired a bit differently. We all respond to these chemicals in our brains a little bit differently, and we all cope with stress differently. You know, there are. Yes. I've had clients where something very stressful will happen, and all of a sudden they're having sex four times a day, 
And then there are other, right? I know. (laughs) And then there are other people totally on the other side of the spectrum where the slightest bit of stress comes in and it's like any bit of sex drive is just out the window and we have to do so much work to start to get that back into the flow of things. And a lot of this has to do with our internal wiring, but a lot of it also has to do with the way that sex is prioritized in our lives. So if we don't prioritize sex, if we don't prioritize pleasure, of course that's going to be one of the first things to go when we're stressed, right? Just like if we don't prioritize eating fresh, uh, organic, healthy fruit, one of the first things to go for a stressed person will be they'll go get fast food. Right. Whatever we don't prioritize goes when we get stressed. And so when people say, I don't have time for sex, I start to push back and say, we have time for the things that we prioritize. Absolutely. Well, and it goes back to like anything else. If you're not paying attention to your eating habits, you're going to gain weight, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. If you don't pay attention to your finances, you're, you could end up broke. Right. Or the other way around, right? Like you could not pay attention and then you wind up really underweight and unhealthy. Like it's, it's all about this mindfulness and trying to not judge where you're swinging on the pendulum and just find out what feels good for you. So what do you tell people that are really stressed out? How, How do you help them deal with their stress so that it's not affecting their libido in a negative way? So there's two different ways that I would kind of come at that, depending on the circumstances for the person. Um, One is to just implement a self-pleasure practice. So no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how stressed you are, no matter how icky you're feeling, taking 10 minutes to connect with yourself through physical pleasure. And that is something that is very hard for a lot of people. Um, we grow up with a lot of icky messaging is a, is a fine word. A lot of icky messaging well, around that. Yeah. And I know I always joke, but it's my reality is that I'm a recovering Catholic mm-hmm. and sex was something that was just a bad thing. And I have to apologize in advance to everybody. I'm just getting over COVID. Oh, no. And I still have this cough. So, oh, yeah, I had to cancel all my interviews last week. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I had it twice, Um, once in 2020 uh, and once in, uh, it was awful. This is my first time. And so, um, so anyway, I apologize for that. Um, And I think the more I talk, it kind of aggravates Mm -hmm. my throat a little bit. So... Yes. So, so as I was saying is, you know, I always joke, I'm a recovering Catholic and there was so much shame. Yeah. Right. Because I think in some religions, especially the Catholic religion, it's like you have sex for one reason to have babies. So if you're not married and you're not having babies, you don't have sex. And so there's no talk about it. Which is insane. How can people get, can we acknowledge that? Like how insane is that? Absolutely. (laughs) It's so insane. Because you're left with so many people who feel bad about their bodies and who yep. feel bad about touching themselves when it's an absolutely natural and must have thing. So so talk about that a little bit more. Why 
that masturbation is so important because it's a word I know people don't, oh, masturbation, but it's so important for everybody. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, it's okay for little boys, right? Oh yeah, he's a little boy. Yeah, you can let him, let him do his thing, right? But, but little girls have young women rather. Same thing. Yeah. So, it's, so can you talk a little bit that from a psychological perspective? 100%. Um, so kids of all genders start masturbating on average at about 18 months old. And of course, in, oh, wow. yeah. Now an 18 month old is not consciously masturbating to bring themselves to orgasm. What they're doing is they're touching their genitals because it feels good and it's comforting. And that doesn't stop whether or not there's orgasm involved. When we have just, a, it's a very natural before all of these other messages come in about what sex is or isn't or should or shouldn't be. There's a very, very close comforting connection between your brain and touching your own body and especially your genitals. So then that 18 month old starts to hear things like get your hand out of your pants or starts to watch their parents become uncomfortable with them doing the self-soothing activity. And the message that that child takes away is when I touch my genitals, something is wrong. When I touch my genitals, it embarrasses my parents. When I touch my genitals, I get in trouble. <clears throat> and now that's not to say that we don't teach kids context, right? So like when a kid is old enough to understand that there are certain things that we do at the grocery store and certain things we don't do at the grocery store, it is totally encouraged and wonderful to say, hey, you know, Jane, Joe, whoever, love that you are self-soothing right now. We're going to wait to do that until we're at home. That's an activity that we don't do when we're in public, right? And even that in public versus around other people is important because we don't want to shame a three-year-old into hiding in the corner in their room when they want to soothe themselves. So as we get older and then hormones kick in and then all of a sudden climax is available, then there are different motivations for masturbation. Then we have the self-soothing aspect and we have this beautiful release and this like getting to know your body. And it's so interesting because still to this day, humans are who are assigned male at birth are so much more encouraged to masturbate than humans that are assigned female at birth. And it creates then a very imbalanced dynamic in a heterosexual relationship because you have one person who has been encouraged most of their life to explore their body, to orgasm, to know how it works. And then you have another person in this heterosexual relationship that's been shamed and told not to do that. And that that's not proper or that's not what a quote unquote good girl does. It's not ladylike yes. to touch yourself. And you know what? It's the most ladylike thing there is. <laughs> it is. And, and when you were talking, I'm like, they obviously didn't let baseball players know. Cause I always think it's funny when you're watching baseball that the pitchers are up there and they're just grabbing their junk right on national television and they, they could care less. Oh yeah. And all men are like, yeah. That. You know, they have an itch because they're wearing a cup. They're not like, Oh, what are yeah. the people at home going to think that I'm itching myself? They're right. like, I got to throw this ball. So I got to scratch my ball first. Like that's okay. Right. And 
Exactly. Yes. And for all humans, this needs to be the same. And so it starts as a kid. And if we're, you know, in the position of being a parent or caretaker, we can do that for our, our little ones. But as an adult, if you're someone like yourself, Sandy, who's a recovering Catholic, um, or even just grew up with yucky messaging around this stuff, it is yeah. your and our responsibility as adults to start to reprogram that for ourselves. And so yeah. learning about sex for pleasure, learning about what healthy masturbation looks like, you know, what is it? Like, what is it and what isn't it? Is it masturbation if you lay on a bed and touch your nipples for 10 minutes? Is it masturbation if you use a sex toy? Is it masturbation if you watch porn? Right? Like all of these questions I have been asked by people over 40 years old. And that tells me that we have a giant gap of education around our sex. And so if we don't have a sexual relationship with ourselves, when we go to share our sexuality with someone else, what are we sharing? We don't know what we're sharing. Yeah. We're like, well, I guess it's my body. And that, that doesn't feel great. Like, that doesn't feel great at all. Yeah. So the more that we and know about ourselves, the more that we can share with the person or people that we want to share it with. Yeah. And, and when you're with your partner, you want to feel safe to have that exploration. Yep. And, and if you're not safe, what, do you, what can you suggest for couples that maybe it's not a safe practice? <clears throat> Uh, not safe in talking about masturbation or sharing yourself. Just sharing yourself or exploring new things with each other. Yeah. You know? So I... I mean, there's got to be that safety there. 100%. And I think that, you know, it's important to name that there is physical safety and there's emotional safety. You know, if you are in a relationship where you are being abused, whether that's physically or emotionally, that is on an extreme end of a spectrum where exploring sexually is just not that you, like we need to start talking about how to get it's you not out. It's going to be an option. Yeah. We need to like end right. that hopefully. Yeah. Um, right. Now there is another side of the unsafe spectrum, which is my partner has made me feel embarrassed. Um, when I have suggested a sexual act, they have laughed at me. Uh, they have called me names. They've told me it's slutty. Um, they have said, sure, yes, we'll look into it, and then never came back to it. Um, and that can start to feel emotionally unsafe because we're sharing part of who we are and what we want and what we want to try. And it feels very icky and hurtful to receive back anything other than, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Even if the follow-up is, I don't, I don't have an interest in trying that, right? Even if the answer is ultimately, I don't want to do that as your partner, I'm not interested. Starting with, thank you so much for sharing that with me, helps to validate. And so that's something that we can control as someone hearing things from our partner and encouraging them to ask us. So like, hey, would you want to sit and watch porn with me while I masturbate? Now, let's say the person hearing that is like, actually, no, that sounds 
icky. I don't, I, that doesn't sound enjoyable. If you just start with, oh my God, no, ugh, ugh, that person is going to go into a shame hole, right? Like, oh my gosh, what did I say wrong? What's wrong with what I said? If you start with, thank you so much for asking me that. Thank you so much for sharing this desire with me. You know, this aspect of it doesn't really sound super exciting to me. I wonder if we did this instead. What do you think about that? Right? Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or you go back and forth and start kind of, you know, renegotiating whatever it is. But being able to acknowledge that your partner is sharing part of themselves and not just poo-poo something because you're uncomfortable or or aren't interested in it, which is totally okay. It's totally okay, but you don't want to ever make somebody wrong for that. Exactly. And I think especially in this type of conversation, because it it's so much easier when you're talking about sex to go down that shame yes. hole than, than any other. Yep. Yeah. 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 For sure. So when it comes to educating your children, what advice can you give to parents that have any age child? Because it's, I, I would imagine yeah. it's like anything else. It's never too late. Yep. Right? Oh yeah. It's never too late to have that conversation. Yep. And, and again, you want your children to feel safe with you and having that conversation. So, you know, it's really interesting because I get asked this question a lot and it's always worded a little differently, right? Everybody has like their own POV yeah. on this. And the thing that I think parents and we as adults forget about is that we can't really teach stuff that we don't know. Right. And that's okay. You as a parent are not responsible for knowing every fact in the universe, right? It is totally okay if you don't know how to play chess to send your kid to chess club if they're interested in chess. Like that, you don't have to learn chess to then connect with your child. Right. You could do something else. Right. So if you are someone who is not educated around sex, sexual health, sexual communication, then what you're going to want to do is either A, educate yourself and learn about it for yourself first so that you understand it as a human, or find a class that is aimed at your child's age for mm. sex ed, but specifically sex ed that is um, all-encompassing. So pleasure-affirming, uh, queer-affirming, like gender affirming, really understands this landscape because- Covers all the bases. Exactly, exactly. And right. if you don't want to take that on as a parent to learn about it now, you don't have to. I would recommend, honestly, kind of a combination of both. So like yeah. as a parent, like take some workshops. You know, if you don't know what is on an STI panel, you're not going to be able to guide your kid through a sexual health conversation. So learn something. And also you can leave it up to people who have dedicated their life to this, you know, to teach your kid the nuance. Like that's what we're here for. And that's wonderful. But learn something so that like if your kid comes to you and says, hey, you know, can I get, can I get chlamydia? from oral sex. 
that's probably something that you as a parent want to know. Yes. Right? Like, for sure. And if you don't, be honest with your kid. You can say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question because my sex ed was terrible. Can we find out together? And show your yeah. kid that that's let's, okay. Let's Google it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And encourage them to, to be able to say, I don't know. Because that's such a gift. It is such a gift to understand that adults don't know everything. Because when you're growing up, you totally think adults know everything. And then you become an adult and you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know me personally, we had a very, very unfortunate situation happen with my ex-husband. I won't go into it, but long story short, I was, I became a single mother like that. And we were, we were packing up some things, my son and I, and he was, this was a month before his 14th birthday. Oh, wow. And we came across some condoms Mm. and it was a very, very sad and somber day for us because he wasn't going to see his dad for a very long time. And he looked at it and he opened it up and he goes, how do you put this on? And I took it out. And granted, truth be told, I'd never put a condom on anybody before, but I kind of knew what to do. And I just held my fingers up and I went, bloop. And it turned what was the most horrible day of our lives into this special moment where we both were laughing out loud (laughs) and it broke the ice. And from that point on, it was kind of one of those things as he grew, it'd be like, la, 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 you know, I, I'm covering my ears, like, okay, I don't need to know anymore, okay, okay, you you met a girl, I'm like, yep, yeah, uh, da, 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 you know, yep, like, yep. because he was so comfortable sharing with me because of that, and of course, I was the mom and the dad, um, but it was just, I'm not saying that, you know, moms need to do that, but but obviously, it, it is an educational thing that you want your little boys to know how to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and, your, no. and your daughters. Like, we need to daughters, empower yes. them to be able to be the ones in case he doesn't know, right? Why, why right. is it just his responsibility? And exactly. It, yeah. I, Sandy, thank you for sharing that story. That's so beautiful. And, you know, it's, I love these stories because our ability to lean into awkwardness helps our kids feel comfortable leaning into awkwardness, right? And this idea that we can't be awkward, that we can't uh, make a mistake, that we can't say, I don't know, that we can't burp out of turn, like all of these things are what creates anxiety because we're trying to be this like robot of a person and that creates so much dissonance and we get anxious. And so when we're able to laugh with our kids and educate them at the same time, it's like, what a gift for all of us. And what a better world this would be if we could all laugh and say, I don't know, and not think we have to be perfect and that it's okay to just be as you are, as long as you're not harming other people. Right. Now, just so that everybody knows, when I have conversation, when my son and I would have conversation, he's not asking me how to do things. It's just, you know, so when, when you're educating your children, you're not teaching them how to have sex. You're just yes. educating them on 
Like that's an, like that's, you don't like, right. Parents don't need to go there. No. And if, if, if for whatever reason you have that relationship, like there are some parents that I know who have talked to their kid about pleasure focused sex and, you know, making sure that there is proper lubrication or that you're checking, you know, a variety of different things, but a lot of people feel very uncomfortable when it crosses into that area. And that is completely understandable. The key is, is that we want to point them into a direction that isn't porn. Because if we do not point them into a direction, they will just go to porn. And let me be clear, ethical porn is wonderful. I love porn. I think it's incredibly important. It is entertainment, not education. Right. And when our kids go to porn for education, which is what most kids do, they are going to learn some not true things. And (laughs) that is then going to inform them as an adult that has a belief that something should be some way or just frankly that like have a total misconception of how an entire situation works. Um, so yeah, if you're, yeah, of course, if you're not going to be the one to have the conversation about that, you know, a great example is like, if your child comes to you and says, how do I give a blowjob? You may not feel comfortable and most likely will not feel comfortable explaining how you personally perform oral right. sex, right? What you can do is say, that's a great question. (laughs) I am going to find a resource for you. Um, Can you give me a day? Can you give me two days? And if that child has a timeline, they most likely won't start trying to go find other resources. They know that it's coming to them. And find an age-appropriate resource and give it to them. And you could, there's gotta be things out there, right? Oh, tons, tons. And again, if they're like, if your seven year old comes up to you and says, how do you give a blowjob? We're going to redirect the conversation. We're not going to be teaching seven year olds how to perform oral sex. Like that is not what we're talking about. And so many people have that in their heads when they think, when they hear pleasure centered sex ed for kids, they're like, wait, what? And all it is, is that we're giving age appropriate information about sex that isn't just what not to do. That's what that means is that we're not just saying, here's how you don't get pregnant. Here's how you don't get an STI. Here's how you can prevent the transmission of this virus, right? We're also saying, and here's what feels good. This is what people also do. This is what masturbation is. No, it does not make you go blind. This is what lube is, right? And at different ages, these topics are more appropriate or not appropriate. Right. Now, I'm glad you clarified that because it, just some questions that came up and my, my son's in college now, so we're way past that 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 age, obviously. But But I know that there's it's got to be something that that is talked about and discussed with with your kids as well. Yeah, yeah. This has been such a great conversation, Rachel, and I'm so grateful for you and the work that you do. So, is there anything else that you'd like to share with oh, the audience man. before we close up? Just if you have questions, 
try to put the shame of not knowing aside and ask. You know, I have people, I do a lot of AMAs on Instagram, ask me anything. And I will have people that will write me that didn't submit the question that I answered, but will say, I have been too nervous to ask this question. And I'm so glad someone else did. And some of these people are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. And you don't have to wait for someone else to ask the question, whether that is literal or metaphorical for you. Ask the question, get the information that you want and empower yourself. Your sexuality is a part of you. Whether you're asexual or allosexual, your sexuality is a part of you. And learning about it is important and will affect the other parts of your life tremendously. And it's good for you. Yes. Yes. It's good for you. It's not only feels good, it's good for you. So you can check out Rachel on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And her website is rachelwrightnyc.com. Is that correct? That is correct. And I will make sure that is all in the show notes. And um, yes, definitely reach out to Rachel on Instagram and ask her a question. For sure. That's what I'm here for. I got you. Life's too short. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Sandy. Stress less, have more sex. Yes. Thank you, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.